What's up, guys? It is Michael Hunter at ACCBR1 on Twitter. This is the ACC Basketball Report. I thank you guys for joining me for episode number 71. I think this is a really cool episode. I've never had um, a Virginia, I don't want to say media, but I guess a, a Virginia personality on the program, I don't believe, um, other than maybe uh, Will's World, but Will is kind of an ACC guy while he's a Virginia fan. Um, today's guest, who is... A, a Twitter personality uh, at if Tony tweeted his screen handle is phony Bennett and uh, you know he's a, a former stand-up comedian um, who it was one of my first follows I think on Twitter is when I when I started ACCBR or maybe even before I started ACCBR um, I followed this guy and during basketball season he's he's pretty much gold um, he's got uh, <clears throat> Some celebrity status among uh, UVA fans, and uh, you know he's a knowledgeable guy. He's a good basketball fan. He's a you know he's a, a an alum of of Virginia, and uh, you know they're his team. And uh, he had some good insights. You know he knows the team a little bit. He's been around the team a little bit. He knows some of these kids that won the title last year. So it, it was a good conversation. We talked a lot. We talked about a lot, which I'm glad that that he was happy to kind of take the reins as far as. Uh, as far as uh, you know, some some long long answers and going in depth and how how he was feeling and what he was thinking because <clears throat> I was uh, a little bit under the weather yesterday, uh, <laughs> you know, by my own hand, of course, after a pretty good Saturday. So, um, yeah, I, I thank Chris for coming on. It was a great time. It turned out to be a really good podcast, and uh, I, you know, I just I hope you guys enjoy. I'm gonna take a few weeks off after this. And when I come back, I'm gonna be with with uh, Tristan, who is my my uh, my editor over at Bustin Brackets. He is a a Pittsburgh native. He's a Pittsburgh guy, and we're gonna talk about Pittsburgh hoops and what his expectations are, not only this year but during the Jeff Capel era that's upcoming, and uh, you know how he's feeling so far. That should be a, a pretty good show. I've actually done a podcast with Tristan before. Uh, when I first joined Bustin' Brackets, I was on with him and Connor Hope and Brian Roth. So look forward to that in the coming weeks, but in the meantime, I'm going to take a couple weeks off before we start getting into preseason talk and my, my top 25 players going into the season that are returning from last year. Of course, there's been some stuff that come out on... <clears throat> ACCBasketballReport.com last few days, including uh, the chimp, took a look at uh, some gambling trends from last season. That's something that we're going to try to incorporate as a regular thing, whether it be weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly on, on the site during the course of the season. So we'll have Charlie Monolakis doing you know, the picks against the metrics, and then we'll have the chimp doing some stuff with some wagering and some gambling and some stuff, some numbers against the spread, which should always be interesting. And then you got me doing the podcast and then some random nonsense here and there. And then Kinchin will obviously be doing the corner threes articles whenever he, uh, he gets something that he wants to talk about or feels passionately about. So, you know, things are starting to come together. Um, I thought I had a Duke fan that was going to come on here and, and write a little bit, but, uh, I don't know, you know, he just, before he even got his, I asked him to, to write some, some stuff on the Jalen Johnson commitment, he said he would, and then he went radio silent, and then he hasn't talked to any of us in the past couple of weeks, so, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if we can, you know, get somebody else that feels passionately about Duke that can, that can handle the heat in this kitchen with a couple guys from the Triangle and a guy from the North who really despises Duke, so, <clears throat> we'll see. 
where that takes us. But in the meantime, I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with the one, the only, Phony Bennett. ACC Basketball Report, episode number 71. I've got a treat for Virginia fans today. I have Twitter personality, Phony Bennett, on with me today. Uh, Chris, I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, <laughs> I guess we're going to we're gonna wind back the clock a little bit here. Um, I've, I've never had, I don't think I've ever had a Virginia guy on the show before. Um, if you can, do, you live in, do you live in Charlottesville? No, no, I'm in uh, Chesapeake, Virginia oh. now. Okay. Um, so. But you are you are a Virginia alum, correct? Yeah, yeah. Graduated in '95. It's been a few years. Yeah, a little um, bit. Back, back, back when I was there, Virginia actually had a, a decent team. We were, mm-hmm. you know, lead eight, sweet sixteen, and then uh, right after I graduated, I mean, I through through no fault of mine, I believe. I mean, their program just fell off a cliff for twenty years. Right. And, uh, you know, it took, it took Tony Bennett to get it back to prominence. What was what was your feeling when Virginia made that hire? Was where you, uh, you know, you know, I, I don't want to say ambivalence. Um, it, you know, it was, uh, you know, uh, I was with, with a lot of fans who wanted uh, Tubby Smith, and okay. you know, we. I, I don't know why I was fixated on Tubby Smith at the time. I, I can't really remember now. You know, he had had some success, and I thought it would be a good fit. And and um, so then, you know, when they announced this guy Tony Bennett, I mean, I was, you know, I I had that East Coast bias. I wasn't paying attention to West Coast basketball. I had no idea who he was. Um, you know, and I heard well, he'd been National Coach of the Year, and and it's like okay, well, let's let's see what he can do. So I I wasn't. I wasn't against it, but I was less than enthused. And uh, once a year, Facebook shows me the post I made when he was hired, um, you know, which was, you know, essentially a shrug, um, you know, about it. Like, you know, who who the heck is this guy? (laughs) Um, Just just to kind of humble me and and remind me that I I, uh, really didn't know (laughs) much about who the uh, up and coming coaches were at the time. So we're going to I guess we'll talk about it and get it out of the way. Uh, last year, obviously, the 2018 tournament, Virginia becomes the first number one seed to lose to a 16 seed. What was, can you describe, I guess, the pulse of the fan base after that loss and maybe were people starting to question Bennett given that he already kind of had the stigma of not being great in the tournament? What was what was the, the pulse of the, of the fan base after last year's loss? Yeah, they, there was definitely, a, I would say, a very small fat percentage of um fans that were like oh you got to get rid of them i mean that was that was a very small minority there, there was a larger section that were just in the mindset well he just can't coach in the tournament his his style isn't isn't suited for the tournament which i've always thought um it was a bogus proposition i mean the the rules are the same in in the tournament mm-hmm. um you know other other than than what's going on between your ears there, there's there's really you know nothing different it's it's the the pressure and whatnot and i think um you know, I, you know, I could go back to each of the tournament losses that he had previously and kind of, you know, explain them. Other than the Syracuse loss in the Elite Eight um, back in uh, was it fifteen? Yeah. Um, and so, to, to me, I, I didn't really think of this as, as a team that couldn't have postseason success. I mean, they, they did well in the ACC tournament, and, and then um, they fell off. I mean, I was I was shocked more than anything, and um, you know, just. And you're just kind of stunned for a couple of days. Like, did, did that happen? Because I, you know, you look forward to March Madness 
for so long. And, and when your team is out of its first game, and it's <laughs> shocking as that, it, it's just, um, I mean, it, it sucks because it's like, you don't even want to enjoy the rest of the tournament. Um, it's funny, the, the local paper had uh, done a story uh, about me and, and this columnist, really good columnist, uh, Harry Minium, uh, and uh, that story was slated to come out uh, the, the day after the UMBC game, and it, and it did. <laughs> and because the UMBC game wrapped up uh, so late, that wasn't even in the paper. So if you turn to the sports section looking what happened to Virginia, you were greeted with a picture of me. <laughs> and um, uh, it was... It, it was such an awful feeling. Like I get the paper and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is like, uh, you know, all, all my dreams come true in the worst possible way. Like, here I am on the sports section uh, and all people are thinking about is, is how Virginia choked. Um, you know, I said at the time, I thought the Syracuse loss hurt more. And, and I stand by that because we were 10 minutes away from the Final Four mm-hmm. uh, in that Syracuse game. And last year when, when Dre went out, I... You know, I, I thought I thought that team was going to win it all until Dre went out, and then once Dre went out, I didn't see a path to the championship uh, right. for the team. So, you know, losing in the first round—I mean, it it hurt for all the reasons that everyone recognizes. But I had kind of, you know, inwardly accepted that we weren't going to win the title that year, and. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of people that will still say, "Well, we wouldn't have lost that game if, if Dre had been there," and. and Probably not, but mm-hmm. there's no reason they should have lost it without him. Sure, and exactly right. Yep. It, it it wasn't, um, you know. So so to me, I I don't really like that excuse. Um, I mean, it's convenient uh, as as a fan, but it, it th- there were so many reasons, and and really everything that could have gone wrong for Virginia went wrong. Everything could go right for UMBC went right, and and they blew us out, and and that was that. But but obviously in the bigger picture um you know and i tweeted something right after the game um that that i'm kind of proud of now that you know i trusted tony to to help these guys navigate through that and and come out of it um you know come out of it stronger and and certainly you know now we've got the redemption story um you know best one in college basketball certainly you know beyond that i guess is uh it's all a matter of discussion. I thought, you know, coming into coming into last season, we all we knew they would be good. Obviously, with that trio of players um, going into the tournament, I actually for for ACCBR, I did select Virginia to to win the title on my on my official bracket. What heading into the tournament this season? How much did the results of the 2018 tournament impact your expectations? I mean, you know, not a lot of, you know, it's that, that little nagging worry mm-hmm. in the back that, that you're like, man, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't expect us, oh, well, you know, we're going to lose to a 16 seed again. Right. And it really, I, I was as surprised as anyone when we started struggling um, in, in that, that opening game. Um, it was, but, was it Gardner-Webb this year? Yeah, Gardner Webb. See, that was actually one of the better 16 seeds that I've seen in recent years. I'd watched them play. Um, you know, they beat Wake Forest. Uh, they beat Georgia Tech earlier in the season. So, that, that actually, that was a little bit. I thought that was surprising that Gardner Webb was a 16. I thought they were better than most of the other 16s. Well, yeah, and I, I know a lot of Virginia fans were complaining about that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're, they want to see another. Uh, they want to see us lose to a 16 again. But still, I mean, it's it's like okay, if we're the best team in college basketball, whether they're 15 or 16, mm-hmm. we we should be able uh, to beat them with, without uh, too much drama. And uh, but I mean, I think. You know, with with good reason, you you say, well, you know, they had to get over that mental hurdle, mm-hmm. and and you know that game was as much 
you know, fighting what was in their head as, as anything else. And, and, you know, they, they did it. So, I mean, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't, uh, you know, of course I picked them to win it all, but I picked them to win it all the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, I picked them to win it all probably three times, four times, you know, every, every time they're a number one seed, I'm, I'm picking them to win it all, yep. you know, I'm, and I, I don't think that's a homer move. If your team is a number one seed, you, you, you get a free pass on, <laughs> on picking them to win it. Um, but it, it, I, I felt really good about last year's team. I, the, the year before that Virginia tech loss, um, you know, we had, uh, two regular or yeah, two regular season losses, one, uh, the out of conference loss to West Virginia, then Virginia tech, the Virginia tech loss really showed some flaws, um, with Virginia, some, uh, limitations that we had offensively. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Buzz Williams did a great job. I mean, he's such a good X's and O's coach. He did a great job really exposing, um, some problems. And I thought after that, Virginia made some corrections. They started working inside out more. They, they did some, some different things, but, they the the flaws were there and and i think as as fans despite the team winning as much as they they were that year you, you were seeing that a lot of those wins um you know were, were close and and virginia would have these long spells where the points would dry up and stuff and so this this past season we weren't really seeing that i mean i felt um i mean this was one of the the best maybe the best offense that tony bennett has had and and just the consistency of the team it didn't it just didn't have those as many of those off halves or the, those mm-hmm. big gaps where um, things weren't working. So I, I was probably a lot more comfortable this year, despite <laughs> recent history uh, than I had been. I, I thought that, you know, a lot of people were thinking that, you know, that is, that is that's a crushing blow to a team's mentality, being that team making that history. But I thought, and I don't know these kids personally, but I thought that that trio of Jerome, Guy, and, and, and DeAndre Especially Ty Jerome, he he strikes me as a kind of guy who that's gonna maybe fuel his fire a little bit. He's not gonna get down. He's gonna use that to to up his game to the next level. And I think that's exactly what happened this year. He just he yeah. he played out of his mind this season. Actually, all three of them did. But I thought Ty Jerome was was really the the straw that stirs the drink on that team. And I, I just I was really impressed with how they were able to. You know, put that loss in their rearview mirror and do what they did this year. It was it was stunning. Yeah, it was it was a hell of a thing for any of them to have to overcome. And you know, Kyle Guy wrote a lot about you know the depression that he had afterwards and, and the anxiety that it fueled and and really you know the the mental challenges that he had to overcome to move past that. So you know, I, th- I think it's the kind of thing that can be instructive. It, it certainly. Um, you know, inspiring for a lot of folks, but, you know, from, from a basketball standpoint, I mean, it's just damn good. I mean, you, you look at what they did and the, and the effort they put in, I, I think in the off season, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, they, they've never worked, they never worked harder in the off season than they did last year. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, it's easy to say that, Hey, if, if UMBC hadn't happened, maybe, uh, you know, Texas tech doesn't happen. Right. And, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I certainly can't say otherwise. It, it's, you know, the way it went down is a fantastic story. So, you know, as a fan, I'm, I'm just uh, celebrating that. So given how good they, these guys have been, not just last year, the year before, but for six, seven, eight years now, how dominant Virginia's been in the ACC. Now they have a title. Tony's really starting to bring in some elite recruits. His 2020 class is loaded right now is, is, it's safe to assume that Virginia is a blue blood now, or you know, when I say blue blood, I'm talking UNC, Duke, Kansas. Um. 
No, I mean, I, I have trouble saying, you know, I think you need two or three championships to, mm-hmm. to say that. I mean, I, I have no problem saying Virginia is currently one of college basketball's elite teams. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you know, winning 30 games a, a year on a regular basis. To me, you know, I think of, yeah, you know, they, I mean, you named them, I mean, the, the Blue Bloods, I mean, they've, they've got a lot of banners hanging. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, one banner is going to get it done. You know, give me another five years, you know, with four 31 seasons and, a, and another championship. And then, it, then I think, you know, that's a very valid discussion to have. But, you know, right now I'm just happy cheering for, um, you know, one of the teams that has consistently been the, um, at the top of college basketball for the last several years. And, and um, you know, I don't have to use that name. I think that's something that that's really earned. And I, I just don't think they're there yet. Okay. Now you say, you know, four, five, six more years. Do you think Tony Bennett will still be with this program in that time? Is it, is it kind of accepted that eventually an NBA team is probably going to come calling? You know, I mean, the, the NBA teams have called before, and, and certainly a couple, like two years ago, I, I would have told you that I'd expect him to end up in the NBA eventually when the right opportunity came along. It, it's it's certainly still a possibility now, only he really knows that. But I do wonder what this success, um, how um, it, it changes his outlook and, and, you know, what he wants out of his coaching career and, and uh, you know, what he wants to accomplish. So. I I would say most fans, you know, have the mindset like, you know, you get a championship, if you go to the NBA, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna break my heart in the short term, but um, you know, it'll still have been worth it, sure. and uh, um, you know, nobody's gonna be grudging from, you know, pursuing his dreams. I mean, I, I none of us can. It's like trying to tell a high school recruit what the best college program will be for him. none of us are in a position to do that right. you know only he knows everything that that goes into that decision and and uh you know tony's got uh, his family who you know seem to like charlottesville and um you know i actually i think one of his daughters is starting at wake forest next year but i think she kind of wanted to maybe be away from the spotlight at virginia sure. um you know he he seems to have good thing i mean he's you know he's doing well financially and and you know people say well that that's not a big motivator for his but you know i'm, I'm sure he's comfortable and um they, they seem to be happy do they want to uproot all of that and and take on a different kind of pressure and and that's you know what would he be successful in the nba is certainly the different question would he be able to get out of the players what he's able to get out of guys in college and and um you know i just don't you know, I don't know the answer to him. I, I would certainly wish him well, but you know, I think he's very well suited to the college game. I, I think he he obviously fits at Virginia very well. So I, I I hope he doesn't leave. I hope he's changed his mind. Um, but you know what? If it if it happens, it happens. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing is if if an NBA team is looking for a head coach, they're probably chances are there's not a very good team anyway. And right now, I mean, head coaches are only getting you know two years to show that they can actually turn something around like that. And I think that would be it would be a huge decision because he would have to be terrible at Virginia for many years in order for Virginia right. to actually get rid of him. Right. So, you know, you trade in what you have now, which is stability and the love of the community for, you know, an 18-month you know, situation possibly. So I, I would love to see him stay in college because I don't really care for the NBA anyway. But... We'll see what happens, I guess. I guess, you know, sometimes money talks and maybe a new challenge could, could sway him a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, what the, the comment he's made before is that, that that is the top of the coaching 
profession in mm-hmm. basketball. It's it's the highest level, and and you know you want to test yourself there, and so they, that much I get. But I, I think there's so much more he can do, um, you know, by by staying in college and, and staying at Virginia. Um, but uh, you know, people are going to follow their hearts, and I, I just with him, I, I don't know where that's going to lead ultimately. Yeah. So. A large contingent of listeners of the show and followers on Twitter and people that I interact with are Virginia fans. Now, depending on what I, what my opinion is on any particular day, if it's a positive opinion, they love you. If it's not, if it's anything short of praise, they they kind of get after me a little bit. Can you describe this fan base a little bit for me? Kind of describe the ins and outs and, and how passionate I guess these guys are. Yeah, I think, and I don't remember if it was Mark Titus who said it, um, or, or maybe, um, maybe one of the, the the ESPN guys, but said that, that Virginia had the most sensitive fans in, in college <laughs> basketball, and you know, I, I I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I mean, um, you know, I think you'd kind of have to kind of go back and and look at the the history of of the team to to figure out. The, the fans mindset they all talk about rule 2b which is you know pretty much you know murphy's law like as far as anything that can you know adversely you know affect our team is going to happen and, and there's been that feeling of being snake bit for so many years and even the early years of tony bennett i mean there um you know some of those you know when uh, justin anderson yep. ends up breaking his hand and then you know isaiah wilkins got sick at the end of uh um 16 and you know, you, you see, just be like, okay, you know, when, when are things going to come around? So when we do start having success, then immediately, I mean, I think what really brought it on was, you know, when they started having success under Tony Bennett, you know, all the talking heads were like, yeah, but it's boring. Yeah. But the, <laughs> the pace of play sucks. It's not, um, you know, it's not getting up and down the court and, and we're just here happy to win games. And, and everyone else is telling me, tell us why this is bad for basketball. Now I think a lot of that, discussion has changed and and that championship run last year I, I, it, it was an opportunity to for a lot of the talking heads to to talk about you know you know how pure virginia's game is and and you know and and you've got guys like mark titus who've really talked talked it up you know said you know if you're not a for, you know fan of their game then you're not a fan of basketball because it's right. it's you know very pure and and i'm not saying everyone has to enjoy watching that style of game i mean i certainly i can enjoy watching a you know um two teams just run and gun you know as long as they're getting in the basket sometimes it's sloppy and i you know but it's you know so the the fans yes are are (laughs) very sensitive and and you know i'm watching some of them already you know getting uh upset oh can you see you know he's you know where where you know where he has a seated in the tournament next year i mean in the early bracketology i don't care about that stuff i mean you know i i think hopefully with with a championship in our pocket it's easier to say okay you know <laughs> say say what you want you know we're gonna we're gonna tune in when the season starts and and you know see what these guys do and, and we're just gonna enjoy our team but um I, i've heard that that before i i don't know why um completely why the fans are are the way they are i mean they're they're dedicated and, yes. and i think you know this um given the the intricacies of um the defense and stuff it's created um in a lot of ways a pretty knowledgeable fan base because yep. Yep. They, they've educated themselves so that they can tell people why it's not boring <laughs> um you know and and you know you've got a lot of fans that that are you know pouring over ken palm and, and all that because um 
you know, a lot of our success is, is shown on, on those, um, you know, advanced stats, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with, with letting people, you know, cause if you don't, if you don't like watching us, you, know, you don't watch us. I mean, you know, I'm, I enjoy it and, you know, I enjoy it because it's my team. I mean, certainly right. that's what, what really got me into it. Um, when I was at Virginia, uh, Jeff Jones was the coach, and, and his teams were, were were very defensive minded. I mean, it was that really physical defense, a totally different style from Tony Bennett. But you know, he was his teams tend, tended not to be real high scoring, but um, uh, you know, teams left the court with a lot of bruises, and and um, you know, we enjoyed that style of play. So I I didn't come into the Tony Bennett years thinking um, defense was necessarily a bad thing, uh, and ultimately i don't know that it would have mattered what his style was if you know you start winning with it it's like okay <laughs> yeah know, i mean em- yeah. embrace this and, and that's you know the whole embrace the pace yeah it's slow but you know what it's it, it's working for them and and um it's also you know, efficient they, i mean you know everybody looks yeah. at the everybody looks at the defensive numbers you look at their offensive metrics they're one of the best offensive teams in the country as far as efficiency and shooting and everything else goes so i don't know how you can I don't know how you watch them them run an elevator screen and not be entertained. I, I you know I don't understand where people come away with that. So um, yeah, I guess it's yeah, it's just people wanting to see more shots. I guess um, <laughs> you know, but I, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I I just I want to see well played basketball, and that's why I thought that Texas Tech game was just a beautiful game yes. because I mean Texas Tech is so good defensively, and and you know they were very efficient. Um, offensively as, as well. And, I mean, that was just a really quality basketball game. And, and, you know, you could have had, you know, two teams that would be much more exciting, but I, I don't know that the numbers would have, uh, you know, borne out uh, the, the quality of play like that. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a great game. Um, I currently, in my preseason, and I, it's, it's still July, but I, I did put out a top 25 a while back. Virginia, I do not have my top 25. I have seen them as high as maybe number seven. Uh, most people have them settled in around 16 to 19. What are what are your thoughts on this on this year's team? I think you're going to hear about it. Man. Oh, I already have. I already <laughs> have, man. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I you know, I think that's that's legitimate concern. I mean, the the big three. I mean, we lost. I and I haven't looked at it. Is it like 70 percent of our scoring or something? Seventy. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's it's perfectly reasonable to to expect the team to drop off. Now, you know, I think what what Virginia fans are probably making the point of, and and um, you know, which is which is valid, is is give us the the respect because of our coach and because sure. of the consistency that this programs have, and and you know, understand that you know we we've, we've got some new players coming in and they're going to contribute, and the guys that are, you know, that we're getting back, Mamadi, Kihei, and and Braxton, I mean, those guys are going to get better. Um, So, I mean, I I expect early struggles, so it it may be that, you know, we fall out of the polls, um, you know, early on in non-conference play. I mean, because the lineups are going to have to gel, and and I'm not sure who the starters are going to be at this point. I don't know that Tony knows who the starters are going to be at this yeah. point. So, and, and I expect some growing pains as they try to, uh, you know, make this all work. I'd probably, if I were doing one, I'd probably have us around 15. Um, but it, it wouldn't surprise me, especially, you know, we've got to open play against Syracuse. I, I hate that. I hate that the ACC is, um, yeah, I'm not a fan either. Pushing, 
competition conference play early. I, I want to see conference play be the teams at their best once they've yep. they've got several games under their belt and, and the teams are playing as they're going to play. And so I, I don't like that. And, and, of course, it's Syracuse, which is a different kind of challenge anyway. Um, so, you know, who, who knows? I mean, you know, we could, you know, we could open up by – you know, by dropping, you know, two of our first four or five or, and, you know, you know, maybe we find ourselves outside the pool. I, you know, by the end, I, I'm expecting us to be in much better position, but, yeah. uh, you know, I think that's, that's perfectly reasonable to start the season. Yeah. I think, um, you know, just, just looking around, you know, a lot of, a lot of weight on Casey Morsell's shoulders coming in as a freshman, a lot of production on the wing that he's going to be expected to help kind of fill that void. Um, I would have them in 26 to 30. I think they dance, and I think that's I, – I, Bennett is just too good of a coach to, to not make that, that tournament. I, I just I don't see it happening. Um, Diakite, you, you mentioned him. He's considered the alpha guy right now, the best player on the team. What do you think what, – what's your expectation of him this season? What's, what's his ceiling going to be? You know, it's, it's funny. After uh, – so after last season um, – we I, we used to do a podcast. We had Isaiah Wilkins on there, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and I, I like getting players' opinions of, mm-hmm. of other players because I mean they see him in practice and, and they have a, a really um, good feel for that. And you know we asked him about about you know so it was about the the team this past year. Like you know who do we expect to break out? And he actually thought Mamadi that if he put it all together would be the top player on the team. And that was a team that included Dre and Ty and, yeah. <laughs> and Kyle. Um, you know, his big thing is, is once Mamadi figures out how to play continuously, which is a, a Tony Bennettism, um, you know, once he figures out how to play continuously, that that nobody's going to be able to stop him. And and we saw him with some stretches like, like that last year. Um, so, I mean, I, I think his ceiling is incredibly high. I think if if you want to talk specifics about what he needs to do, he, he needs to, um, you know, he needs to develop more of an outside game. And a lot of that outside game is taking the right outside shots. Sure. Um, a, a lot of the long shots he took last year were, I think he got kind of goaded into it. <laughs> and, um, you know, he needs to be taking good rhythm looks. Uh Defensively, he definitely improved. I mean, his his block rate was really strong last year, um, and I I would expect that to continue to um, improve. I, I just pull him up on yeah. yeah so played, 20, I think he got twenty fourth in the nation in right. block, and rate. he's only playing twenty one minutes a game. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, so I I think um, th- there's there's a lot that he can do. I love he's got this like. I mean, he smiles more than anyone else on the court. He seems yeah. to, to to bring this joy to the game, um, you know. But this is the year where he's really going to need to be one of the leaders, and so it'll be interesting to see if he has that kind of emotional range to help get the team locked in um, when necessary, or or if that kind of leadership job is going to be put on other guys like Kihei. Um, he's he's a guy. I mean, I think he started playing when he was fifteen, uh, the game of basketball. So he's not. Um, you know, people say, well, he's still learning <laughs> to play basketball. And, and um, he's just, you know, he's gifted with um, with, with a good frame for, for today's game. Yep. And, um, you know, when he, he gets that, that focus, you know, he's got to, you know, be able to make a big play and then turn around and make another big play. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, not make a big play and get distracted just, just for an instant. It's not like he's out there celebrating, but, but sometimes then he finds himself a little bit out of position, you know, I think uh, – 
and you know he can play continuously just just keep putting play after play together um he's he's going to be big i don't necessarily know that he's going to be or needs to be our leading scorer we've we've typically you know it's not from a guy who's um you know playing like at the four spot that's that's putting up all the points for us but um you know he's he's gonna have to um you know certainly carry his his share of the load and and a lot's gonna be asked of him this year so i i didn't provide you with this this question before it just kind of came up through just kind of floated through my head when he made that shot in the tournament to send the purdue game into overtime where were you? Were you at a party? Were you at home alone? Were you in a bar? What was what was your reaction and, and the course of events for you when he hit that shot? I, I was at, at home alone, um, as I was for a lot of these games. I had Twitter up on my laptop. I got my glass of bourbon. Um, and I, I really find that, you know, unless I'm at the game, I really don't want to be watching it with a lot of people. Sure. Sometimes I'll watch the games with my older daughter. Uh, she and I go to a lot of Virginia games together. Um, but... And so, so that's happening. And so that Purdue game was, that was really the first game of the tournament where I'm sitting there trying to mentally get myself used to the idea of, okay, we're, we're going to lose this game. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, it was a good run and you start working through all of the (laughs) rationalizations in your head. And, um, and I mean, the the whole game, you're just watching Carson Edwards, like the guy can't miss. Yeah. It was incredible. It's his night. Uh, And, I mean that that play happened, and I mean I was just stunned. And, and thank God for for DVRs because I don't know how many times I went back and, and just looked at that. Like the the pass by Kihei, and I mean it was it was a great shot, but that pass by Kihei is it, it one of the best passes I've ever seen. I mean you look at it, it's like this one arm sidearm pass yeah. right in Mamadi's shooting pocket because he didn't have the time to, to gather have to gather the ball. Yeah. If, if he caught it at his waist, you know. Producing the final four. Um, and I, I hate that people keep calling it the shot. Like a lot of fans have decided it's called it's the shot or something. It's like that you, you, you minimize the, the impact of that pass. What a, what a beautiful pass that was. And, um, and just, to, know, just to figure out that he has enough time to actually make it because 99 out of a hundred times, somebody's going to hoist that baby up from half court. Exactly. They're, they're going to panic. There was that, um, Virginia tech almost beat Duke in the tournament. And, um, Man, Buzz drew up this great under the basket <laughs> inbound oh, play. Poor Ahmed Hill. Yeah, yeah, and and he just it looked like he rushed getting it off. He had plenty of time, and um, you know, and that's that's what happens in those moments. Um, like, I mean, I can't imagine the pressure that any of those guys are feeling. Like, I'm not I'm not criticizing anyone for mm. <laughs> for that. Um, it was such a beautiful play that that Buzz Buzz had there, and um, it, it would have been very easy for for Kihei to try to heave it up. Um, you know himself i mean that's what i was expecting when he ran it down you're gonna gather turn around and just try to you know throw a half court shot in but uh you know the the poise that those players have um isn't accidental i mean that that's Mm -hmm. coming you know from from the coaching that's coming from the the fellow leaders that they have on the team so that was really instructive as as far as what this team is made of and um you know, after that, I was a lot more calm at the end of the Auburn game <laughs> when yeah. it looked like we were going to lose, and then at the end of the Texas Tech game when it looked like we were going to lose, I wasn't, I wasn't as panicked because uh, uh, the Purdue game taught me a lesson. 
so many big shots and big moments for this team in the, in the tournament last year. It was absolutely incredible. Guy stepping up, Kia Clark stepping up, Mamadi stepping up, DeAndre's three in the championship game. Uh, just it, what a, it was a historic team for sure. Um, you mentioned when we were talking about uh, Diakite that he may not necessarily lead the team in scoring. Who do you expect this year to, to step up? Is it going to be one of the guys that's already there? Um, do you like the, the Juco kid whose name that I'm not going to try to pronounce right now? Yeah, or is Tomas. it Yeah, is it Marcel, uh, Marcel or, or who are you looking at this year to possibly lead this team? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big question. I mean, I think, you know, if if if, if Virginia is going to have a successful year, it's, it's where, where are the points going to come from? And I'm sitting there going like, okay, well, if, if Mamadi can – can get us 10 or 12 a game like i you know trying to figure out i mean it's going to have to be uh by committee but i i think success this year uh scoring you we're going to have to get decent scoring from from two guys that you mentioned from uh, marcel who you know by by all accounts is like a you know tony bennett prototypical oh, player. Perfect. I mean, he, yeah, he's perfect. he's coming in ready made for the program and and i think ready to contribute from day one um tomas uh well, Denton Sy or whatever, I, I'm still waiting to hear Dave Kane say his name yes. um, <laughs> before I have to say it. Fortunately, I'm mostly just on Twitter, so I don't actually ever have to say these guys' names. But um, Tomas is a real intriguing one because he, uh, yeah, last year in JUCO, um, he was 100 of 210 from three-point range. So, I mean, not only is that a pretty gaudy percentage, almost 48%, <laughs> but that that's volume. That, that's not accidental. Right. Like, you know, he's not a guy that only shot 33s. I mean, 210 threes is, is a lot, and, and he's got decent size. So he may be able to take that, that Kyle Guy role. And, and if we can get him those shots, like I, I trust a three-point shooter coming from a, a lower level of competition more than I would say like a, like a post player. Like, right. okay, well, you're just you're just beating up, you know, lesser guys on the inside. Now you got real competition, you know, for for a three point shooter like that, you know, I'm it, it's more it has to do more with the team around him getting him uh, the looks. And, and I think that we can do that. So as long as he can play the defense to get on the court, then then I'm expecting uh, production from him. And then you've got Jay Huff and, um, you know, Jay Huff is going to whether or not he puts up a ton of points for us. Um, I mean, we're going to need points from him, but I think he's going to need to play a lot for us because of how that opens up the rest of the offense for us. I mean, teams, when, when they you've got a seven footer that can shoot from anywhere, mm -hmm. um, it, it changes how they have to defend. And that in turn gets these other guys like Tomas, like Casey, uh, and like even Kihei uh, looks and, and more opportunities. So, you know, his defense, his conditioning, all that is going to have to be good enough for him um, to play probably, you know, 28, 30 minutes a game. And, um, you know, from, from there we'll see. And, and, you know, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I, so going back to your question, that's a long way to say I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know where, where the points will come from. I can certainly see where. Yeah, you know if if Casey can get um, ten or twelve, and if Tomas can get ten or twelve, and if Mamadi can. I mean, you know, I I don't I don't see any guy who, who's going to average eighteen or twenty points right. uh, for us this year. Um, but if we can get these moderate contributions from a lot of guys, then uh, you know we'll we'll be okay. Um, but that's that's really the big question. Yeah, I think um, you know you get like you said, you know, four guys averaging somewhere between ten and fourteen points. That puts you right around fifty points. And then with the defense, you're you're in the game. So you know you're going to get a little bit from everybody else. Braxton's going to give you 
probably seven to nine points a game, and then Kia is probably going to give you five or six. So you know you're talking mid sixties, and not very. I mean, if you're going to keep if Virginia's going to hold teams to sixty points anyway, then I, th- I think you're looking pretty good. Right. So uh, just some consistency on the offensive end. I think the defense is always going to be there because of the system. Um, it, it's the offense that has me a little bit worried this year. Um, right. Going to the three guys that left and went to the NBA, and then I'll I'll, I'll wrap this up and let you get back to your Sunday. What are your expectations of uh, of Dre and Ty and and Guy at the next level? Um, okay, well let's let's start with Dre since he he was mm-hmm. the high draft pick. Um, you know my my biggest criticism of Dre, and if, if 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 it's even a criticism, is that he often forgot that he was the best player on the court. Mm-hmm. And and in, in most of the games we played last year, he was the best player on the court, and he. It has a tendency to be a little bit passive and and to to really not assert himself until it's necessary. It was great for a team like Virginia. Most of the time, that that was that was really good. You know, Tony doesn't want one guy trying to take over games and, and you know it's team and all that. And for him to be a star in the NBA, he's going to have to do that. Now, I think he landed in a really good spot in Atlanta, yes. where they that's the player the player that he was at Virginia is the player they want him there. They don't want uh, someone else who's trying. To, to be the star and um, but I, I think his game if he continues to expand his outside shooting um, which he just I, I don't really think he did enough of um, at, at Virginia frankly uh, you know he, he's gonna he should be able to have a, a very good uh, NBA career and he, you know he'll occasionally take over a game but in, unless there's like some big change of mindset for him like he's not going to be a, a big star because he's that's just not how he plays the game. Um, Ty is really interesting. I, I think Ty is going to get a lot of attention and, and surprise a lot of people because you, you look at him and it's like, okay, he doesn't look that athletic. He doesn't, <laughs> uh, he doesn't look that, that big. Um, but, but then he plays and, and he's just good. I mean, he's the guy does everything with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's always pissed at somebody and, and he's <laughs> using that as, as motivation. And, and so, um, you know, I think it's going to serve him well in the league, and uh, you know, there's no question that he's going to, you know, put in the effort uh, to to be successful. I think he's got a chance of having a really, you know, good NBA career. I mean, he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be a, a Kevin Durant. I mean, none of these guys are, but um, hey, I think he can have a nice long career and and um, you know, be pretty well known um, and and pretty well liked, uh, at least by by the home team. Um, you know, he, he could he could get some innings just because he's he will talk <laughs> to yeah. opposing players and, and I think he's gonna feel a little bit more free to do that uh in the NBA yeah, than yeah, yeah. uh you know, because he doesn't have Tony's you know on the <laughs> sidelines glaring at him. But um the, that guy is just I mean, he's you know, it, he just I think lives looking for motivation and um you know, he he finds it everywhere and, he, and that's his fuel. So, um, and then you, you got Kyle Guy. You know, he's he's the most questionable one just because his size doesn't really, um, you know, isn't really conducive to what you're typically going to see as as a successful um, body in the NBA. But you know, with with him, I there, there's no questioning the um, you know the, the the work that he puts in and um i mean he is such a good shooter and, and you saw when he was uh you know it's the the summer league and and you know i don't think defense is played as 
at a very high level in the summer league. Um, but but he you know he had a, some really good games there, and I think you know he got some notice. So um, you know it's good that he's he's on the two way contract. I mean it's not good for, from a pay standpoint for him, I don't think, but it's good that he'll be able to get a lot of minutes against good competition this year. Um, you know, splitting time with the G League and. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll just see. I mean, he's he's going to have a successful pro career, whether it's in the NBA or, mm-hmm. or abroad. Um, you know, I, I hope he can he can find that that niche in the NBA. I don't know. Um, you know, there, there's some guys like JJ Redick. I mean, he's still in there. I don't know. How That's exactly who I was going to bring Redick up. Is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you can shoot it and you can stay consistent, they will find you. I mean, Redick and Kyle Korver have been in the league just shooting threes for ten years now. So. <clears throat> And, and, you know, I mean, Kyle's not real tall, but he can get a shot off with just a, a sliver of daylight. Mm-hmm. He's he's one of the best guys I've ever seen at squaring up in the air. Like, he, it, it doesn't really seem to matter too much where his feet are. You know, when, when he elevates, he's going to get his form right in the air and, and turn it into a good look. And there's not a lot of guys that can do that. Um, I hate to say Grayson Allen was really good at that um, and <laughs> might, might still be at I don't, um, I don't I don't watch much NBA, but um, – you know, so he can get his shot. He's so good coming off screens and these little curls and stuff. So, it, I, I hope he can find success. I mean, he certainly deserves it. He's such just a um, just a really good guy, and uh, he, he just got married. I mean, uh, yep. and no one's having a better year than him. He won a championship, um, Final Four MOP. You know, now he gets married. I, I hope, and then he gets drafted in the NBA. I, I hope he's prepared for a letdown next year <laughs> because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, short of being like NBA Finals MVP and having a baby, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a step down for him. But um, you know, he, he's uh, he's poised to be successful somewhere, and and you know, I wonder if he'll end up in coaching down the road or something because he's you know, I, I think he's got just a really great attitude. Yeah, I think one of the we, we talked about you know watching Virginia and watching good basketball earlier. One of the things that I used to love to watch when watching Kyle Guy play was how he reads how his defenders are going to play off the screen. If they go over the top, he fades to the corner and he drills it from the corner. If they try to go underneath, he just curls up and hits it from the elbow. So his ability to use screens and get himself open was one of the some of the greatest basketball I've ever seen played. And I, I just again that brings me back to I don't know how you can watch that Virginia team play and say it's boring or say it's bad basketball. I just Kyle Guy was a pleasure to watch and I don't watch any NBA, so unfortunately I probably right. won't get to see a whole lot of them in the future. <clears throat> right. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I, I don't tune into too much NBA. I, I prefer the college game, but uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to catch some of these guys because I'm, I'm just so happy for them. I mean, um, to, to go through you know what they did, um, you know, they deserve all the success they can find. Yes, sir. Chris, I thank you for joining me, man. Was there anything else that you want to talk about before I let you go? No, man, I, I appreciate you letting me uh, ramble. Um, you know, we, we used to have a, a podcast of our own, and, and you know, we, we eventually gave that up. So I, I love, um, you know, being able to talk hoops. So this has been a lot of fun for me. I really just appreciate you having me on, and thank you for that. Not a problem. I appreciate you taking the time. I'll, uh, I'll let you go, and I'll let you know uh, when it gets published. Fantastic. Thanks, man. So that was uh, Phony Bennett. Uh, again, you can follow him at at if Tony tweeted on Twitter. I would highly recommend it, especially if you're a Virginia fan or just a, a diehard ACC fan, college basketball fan. He's uh, <clears throat> he puts out some really funny stuff, makes me laugh. Um, 
I guess, uh, again, before I take a couple weeks off, don't forget, guys, like, rate, review, subscribe, share, you know, tell people you know about the podcast, too, maybe ACC fans. Uh, the numbers are starting to trickle back up as we get in, kind of into the preseason, which I always appreciate, but um, the podcast numbers have kind of, they, they've held true, you know, uh, the, we've seen the, kind of the growth kind of plateau a little bit. So, again, it's July, or actually it's August right now, so that's kind of be kind of expected, but again, let people know before the season so they don't miss anything. Again, we're going to pump out the good content. I'm going to keep having good guests on. Um, I'm going to have guys from all over the all over the country, regions. I try to go with media personalities, uh, parents, recruiting analysts, stuff like that because I think those people are more uh, free-flowing with their thoughts. I'm not a big um, – I'm not interested in coach speak. Or even, even, you know, you, like I continue to have uh, my buddy uh, T. Little on, Harold, because he's going to tell me exactly what he thinks at any given moment. Whereas if I have, <clears throat> well, his son would be a bad example because this year pretty much let it fly anyway. But if I was to have another student athlete on, they're kind of guarded. You know, they don't want to say the wrong thing for fear. You know, rightfully so. They don't want to violate any secrets or whatever with the program they don't want to upset their coaches they don't want to give anything away that can you know possibly be used against them by opposing fans that stuff's all well and good i'm just not interested in it you know i i listen to a bunch of other podcasts where they have coaches on frequently obviously blake lavelle who i had on this show recently Blake does a great job, and there are certain coaches that I like to hear interviewed. Bob Huggins, Bruce Pearl, um, Cal Perry, uh, you know, all them guys are very charismatic, and they, they kind of just kind of let it fly. But for the most part, coaches are just, they're dull, and they're boring, and I'm not really interested in, in, in that being the focus of, of this particular show. So I'll stick to statistics. I'll stick to trends. We'll talk a little bit about the wagering. We'll talk, you know, to some media personalities, people who cover these teams, like Paul Van Wagner, who I thought that Virginia Tech show was a great show. You know, we'll talk recruiting like he did with Jaron Anderson, who travels around the, the mid-Atlantic region and goes to recruiting events, and he can give us his thoughts on those. So those are the things that I'm really interested in. So, again, I thank you guys for joining me for episode number 71, and I will see you later this month when I bring Tristan Freeman. Is it Freeman? Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tristan Freeman. <laughs> Fucking work with the guy. Talk to him every day. Forgot his last name. Tristan Freeman of Bustin' Brackets and Pittsburgh fandom. Thanks. Later.